Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com, the official page for travel to the Napa Valley, America's legendary wine, food, arts, and wellness capital. For more information, visit www.VisitNapaValley.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and um, In the Drink comes to you live from Roberta's uh, here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We tape at uh, 10 a.m. on Wednesdays. We're coming to you a little bit early today, um, but you can also listen to all of our previous podcasts on www.HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Dot org and uh, iTunes as well. Um, when I'm not hosting in the drink, I, you can find me at one of our restaurants where I'm the beverage director of uh, three downtown New York City restaurants and a wine bar, Delanima, Lartuzzi, La Picho, and Anfora is our wine bar. And um, hope you enjoy the show. Uh, I'm very excited today. We have uh, one of uh, one of someone I consider a friend in the industry, one of the uh, regulars at our, at our restaurants. And someone who is unequivocally uh, the uh, the best dressed sommelier in the uh, in the game, um, but also one of just the, the truly nicest guys we have, AJ Ojeda Pons, uh, the wine director from the Lambs Club, here in the studio with us today. AJ, welcome to In the Drink. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much. Good morning. I'm very happy to be here. Um, really, really excited to have you uh, in in um, in the studio, um, AJ. Like so many people in the industry, you uh, you got into the industry by accident, right? You you didn't think your it wasn't your initial goal. Um, I know that you studied music for a period of time. That's right. Can you tell us about how you went from someone who was who was studying music to now the wine director of Really, one of the most serious wine programs in, in New York City. One that just you, you have just an amazing wine list. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, oh wait, uh, let's see how I can make this long story short. Um, uh, while I was studying music, I guess throughout the '90s, um, I was deep in the conservatory, um, uh, studying piano, composition, uh, playing bassoon, uh, doing lots of things. So um, one of my initial dreams was to sort of like become an orchestra conductor and uh, so I had the thought of uh, going to Germany and visiting conservatories in Germany to see what the music life was was there and I took this trip uh, in uh, 1999-2000 so where I traveled throughout Germany in uh, Frankfurt and I went to Stuttgart visiting all the concerts. I had friends actually that, that were there um, but then after a while, I realized that uh, it was going to be much harder for me in terms of the language and the, the transition from, from... So I came back to New York and uh, moved to New York with the thought that uh, I could do that here. Um, funnily enough, I ended up working at a um, music post-production studio as a sound engineer, which allowed me to learn the, the other parts that I didn't learn in the conservatory, all the technical parts. And then uh, September 11 happened, and we were all out of jobs, and uh, we ended up uh, going 
around finding uh, a place to work in and ended up going to Tribeca Grill and uh, started there as a reservationist. Uh, being there, uh, learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, met David Gordon, Joshi Takemura, Patrick Capiello. I mean, so many people that, that, and it was just so interesting to see what they were doing in, in their programs. Uh, after working, then went to uh, Gotham Bar and Grill, and then I met uh, Michael Nelson, Michael Greenlee. And then uh, after that, I went to work at Morales, which had a huge uh, um, wine program. And I pretty much became sort of like the jack of all trades. I was a maitre d', the assistant general manager. And then I had to sort of like learn all this wine program that they had. So you were initially drawn to restaurants that had special wine lists, special wine programs. Did you, I mean, was that an intentional decision or was that, you know, uh, I realized that working in music production in New York uh, at this time in my life isn't going to be possible because of what's going on what's going on in New York and the 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 economy um, so I'm just going to find a restaurant job or were right. you drawn to restaurants with with no I felt like I you know since since a young age I had a lot of uh, sense of hospitality uh, hosting people doing dinners like having uh, the good combination of like wine and food and uh, you know I, I, even before I got into wine I was the kind of person that my friends always gave the wine list to in a restaurant to, to pick the wine so I felt like I always had an ease of, uh, you know, selecting a mm-hmm. good wine. Uh, you grew up in Venezuela, right? That's right. Was that, I mean, was wine part of daily life? Um, well, not on a uh, daily basis, but in my family, you know, there was always wine for special occasions. I mean, I always remember my mom and my dad talking about a good Puy Fuisse or a Chateau Neuf de Pape. And, uh, yeah, so those were like the, the, the real special wines. Even when we go out to eat uh, and have lunches or they were always ordered a good bottle of um, yeah, you know, they introduced me to like Chilean wines, even in Malbec, and things that perhaps I I, I had no idea. Wow, it sounds like you had uh, pretty sophisticated parents, pretty worldly <laughs> parents. Okay. I mean, most of my friends' parents were not, you know, none of my friends' parents were drinking that sort of stuff uh, at that time. So um, it's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, um, I guess so. It's 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 true. I mean, I I really appreciated that the 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 fact that we were able to learn from them that uh that culture yeah and it's something that you hear going back to your music experience it's something that that i've I've heard repeated and i i might have even said this myself without fully grasping it that that there there are certain similarities between wine production uh and and music production or wine appreciation and music appreciation uh, how does someone who has who has extensive experience in both view that subject? Well, I, I think I've made that comparison before because when I see uh, the work of the winemakers and, you know, I see with, in the same way how an orchestra conductor would do, you have to select certain things and give certain commands at, at, at the right time to create, in the end, harmony. Yeah, Oh, that well, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think of some of these growers like... Uh, Bruno de Conchilis um, in Campania, who who are playing music either to their vines in the field or more more commonly to actually the, the wines as they're aging in the cellar, and, and feel that that has some kind of impact on on the wine. Well, it's 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 like two passions. You know, music is a passion, and wine is a passion. The two together, I yeah. think they they blend really well. 
I always felt that it was uh, it affects the winemaker and it makes a happier winemaker to have the good music around. So, <laughs> so that so that in turn will uh, will help the wines taste. Yeah, better. I mean, I, I wonder if that's true. Right? I, I have a little speaker in my wine cellar where I usually play a lot of like classical music. So I imagine the wines are <laughs> a little happier every time I do my cellar work. I have. Lots of classical music, Lots play, classical opera, music. early music. <laughs> yeah, and now uh, with your music appreciation, I mean, does it does your involvement with music at this point uh, is it just listening to music, listening to classical music in the cellar, or are you still working on composing and producing? Yes, uh, in the little time off that I have left, I spend some time writing music. I mean, there's always music in my head, but, and I guess it's just sort of like a natural thing, but. Uh, but yeah, I still spend some time uh, at home, either playing the piano and, and writing music uh, uh, on, on the software. And, uh, you know, there's there's always something. I'm always trying to, like, improvise new melodies, new mm-hmm. things. It's a, yeah, it's a little bit of a fuel, I guess. And ha- it centers me. <laughs> how have you translated that uh, that experience to the way you might approach a wine list or service or your, your job as it is? Um. It's that's hard to say. I would say, p- perhaps it, the the way I appreciate um, all, all the sounds in in a, in a different way. You know, you you can appreciate mm-hmm. the the whole ambience of, of the restaurant. You see everything as as all as, uh, as part of a whole orchestra. Yeah, that makes a, sense. the restaurant is an orchestra in itself. There's so many parts to it too. Yeah. Also, I think it's important for you know anyone in the restaurant industry or anyone in any job that that is uh at, you work a lot of hours a, cer- a certain degree of stress to to have something that is an outlet that you know as you said music centers you and right. so to have that where you can escape it for a moment uh, yeah and it's and when i'm doing that there's nothing else you know it's just I, I dedicate to it and i'm not answering my phones or emails or anything like that so it's you i just immerse myself in it yeah and so uh after you worked at Gotham with uh, Michael Nelson, who I, I think is one of the the nicest people in this in this whole Great industry. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's fantastic. Now uh, now works for uh, Verity Wines. Yes, that's so, right. Um, um, uh, what was your position there, and and what was your what was your next step? Well, after that, um, the, there was a Morel nine hundred that was on Twentieth Street. After that, I went to mm-hmm. when that restaurant closed. The general manager introduced me to Laurent Torrandel, and I went to open BLT Fish and BLT Prime. So then I worked with Frank Dexheimer, another great guy. So, you know, it, it, imagine all the people that, like, I, I've seen and all the the learning that I've gotten from them to, to this point. With Fred was great. And this guy, lots of energy, super excited about wine, you know, and I learned a lot from him in terms of, like, uh, the service and uh, and just you kind of, like, suck up all that, all that energy that he has uh, and information. He's just a wealth of information. Um, Amazing. And Fred Dexheimer, for those who don't know, is a master sommelier, master sommelier yeah. um, who for a time was uh, in charge of the whole BLT group across right. the country. Um, he was based in New York, but now now he's moved uh, he's moved down south. That's right. I think he has his own company. What well, the Juice Man? The Juice Fred. The Juice The Juice Man for all of us who know. Um, uh, well, you know, and after that, I. Um, uh, went to work at Public. I think that was, a, was, was one of the greatest programs that I also worked with because, first of all, I was exposed to a lot of the Australian, New Zealand wines that I had not seen before. And, you know, when you're... This is all before I started studying wine or, or getting all my thoughts in wine um, and my certifications with the WCT and everything. 
But so I got an incredible amount of exposure. You have to, I had to become the ambassador of uh, all the Antipodean wines. And at the time, uh, Public had a little wine bar, which was called the Monday Room, which oh, I was where was I was great. working. Yeah. yeah. So I worked in the Monday Room with Ruben Sanz Ramiro and then with Jesse Webster, who also ran the, the beverage program. And the Monday Room, so I had one part where I worked solely with the Australian and New Zealand wines. And then in the Monday Room, it was all the off-the-beaten-path grapes. There was nothing that was mainstream. So for me, it was just super, super interesting. I got acquainted with a lot of like grape varieties that I had never heard before, uh, regions and wine-making techniques. And it was incredible. So, uh, And it was sort of like a small uh, plates and, uh, uh, and wine bar, which was great, too, to, to play uh, along the food, wine, and pairing mm-hmm. part of it, especially with like rare grapes. Yeah, and your so was your position there to do? Were you doing wine service? Were you helping to curate that yeah, list? Yeah, so I was working for the Monday Room, okay. curating the list, and then I great. just was sort of like the wine director for yeah. And Ruben Sanz Ramiro, another great oh, talent God, in the uh, industry. He worked at Veritas before going to that's public, right. right? Yeah, uh, so imagine all the people that I mentioned. It's like if if you would put them all together in a room and we would all sit down and talk, it would be it's a wide noise of wine information. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to share a couple of pizzas with them at Roberto's yeah, and a right. bunch of wine on the table. <laughs> That is like, that's a killer group of people. Yeah. And then was your next stop to the Lambs Club? The next stop was the Lambs Club, wow. yeah. The the Monday Room had closed and they were doing a renovation. They were turning into um, the Daily. And then I started the Lambs Club. So I've been there for the past four years. So I came in in uh, 2011 in uh, September. And uh, I've been there ever since. So. Yeah. So you've worked at quite a few... Um, places with great wine lists, wine personalities. If you were talking to, I mean, it seems like if you were talking to younger AJ, you would have said, do what you did. You went, <laughs> you did the right path. But I mean, what advice would you give to, to young sommeliers who, who want to, uh, to curate a list, to be a wine director like you are? Um, you know, stay informed, read a lot, experiment, go out to eat, uh, you know, try new wines. Don't be afraid of, yeah. of trying new things. I mean, there, there's so much out there. The, the wine industry, uh, it, it's so large. There's so much going on in so many different levels. You really have to sort of, uh, just immerse yourself again, you know, in, in it, just like uh, as you were listening to something great, huh? Yeah, I, you know, I, I totally agree. You know, we ran into each other recently at the Grand Cru tasting, and I re- and we we tasted a few wines together. And I remember leaving like and thinking, wow, like AJ still has like so much curiosity such an open mind i mean someone who, who's you know worked in the industry and and runs this this beautiful wine program like i just really appreciated it I left leaving thinking like wow that is a guy with a super open mind and still like you can tell the the, the passion for it uh it was it was really really obvious to me yeah i mean i i i feel like i have a lot to learn still i mean i i never consider that i've learned it all in, in terms of wine and uh I mean, people have heard me say this before, but I always say, as long as people keep on making wine, I'm going to have a job for life, because it, it's never ending. Every year, it's a new vintage. There, there, there's new winemakers, there's new areas, there's new ABAs, there's yeah. whatnot, and you always have to continue to like stay on top of it. You know, I subscribe to a lot of publications, and I read a lot of like you know wine journals and reviews and um, weather reports, whatnot. It, but there's always something more. There's always a, 
something that you're not expecting that's going to come and, and, and you're going to have to learn it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I totally agree. And I, and I hope that is true for me as well, that I'll always have a job as long as people are making <laughs> All right. We're going to take a, a quick break. Um, and when we come back with AJ, we're going to talk about his, uh, his wine program at the Lambs Club, which is super impressive. One, one of the best in town. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com. Welcome to the Napa Valley, North America's legendary wine and food capital, where the art of living well is defined, and each season holds a story waiting to be discovered. Life feels slower here, lived at a place where tables are set with care. Fine wine and food are created from the bounty of our own vineyards and gardens, and relationships with friends and family gathered around the table are somehow sweeter. When planning a trip to the Napa Valley, we invite you to visit the destination's official visitor website, visitnapavalley.com, or stop by Napa County's official visitor information center, located in downtown Napa, where our friendly and knowledgeable community ambassadors can assist you in creating your own legendary Napa Valley experiences. The Visitor Information Center is located at 600 Main Street, Napa, and is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week, 360 days a year. Your invitation to experience the Napa Valley beckons. Take a deep breath, lose yourself in our quiet green and golden hills, renew your body and spirit, taste our legendary wines and cuisine, and experience the people who make this valley like no other in the world. For more information, go to visitnapavalley.com. All right, and we're back with A.J. Ojeda-Pons, the wine director for the Lambs Club um, on 44th Street in New York City. Uh, I really think it's one of not only one of the best wine lists in that neighborhood, but really one of the best in town. And uh, I'm not alone. Uh, wine Spectator gave them the, the best of award of excellence, so two glasses, the world of fine wine, two stars, uh, wine enthusiasts, top 100 best wine restaurants. Uh, so all of these accolades, uh, it's really, I mean, it's, it's just such a, a great, a great list. I'm looking through it and you, there are, there are classics, there are esoteric wines, there's geeky sommelier wines, there's just really solid, well-made wines all over it. I mean, it's hard not to find something to be really excited about on your list. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when I first started, um, the wine director, Jordan Larry, which is another friend of mine, um, the... Uh, you know, I, I looked at his room and I said, well, this is really amazing. Like, he also had all these eclectic uh, choices. And uh, then for me to, like, you know, learn from him and, and build up from there was another uh, good experience. Uh, I mean, in the beginning, I think we had maybe about 300 different wines. I mm -hmm. think right now we're over a 1,000 different choices. So it's... Uh... Wow. <laughs> over a 1,000 choices on... 60 something pages and i'd say though, though i mean sometimes on a, on a list that's that's that large it's easy to uh get lost in it and but i think that your list is just displayed really beautifully it's very very easy to read thank you yeah um 
Yeah, I'm the the. Um... The way you know I do it's just sort of like there's there's uh, room for people to to find what they're looking for and uh, and in, including the uh, the by the glass program you know there's I, there's always a lot of wine served by the glass at the Lambs Club sometimes we have up to fifty choices uh, including the champagne and sparkling and uh, and dessert wines but because uh, I, I like to be able to offer a little bit of everything. Uh, Sometimes people are not looking to to buy a whole bottle of wine mm-hmm. or commit to a whole bottle of wine during dinner. So I like to have a lot of variety on the by the glass list, so that there's there's something if somebody you know is not looking for to drink a whole bottle, they can find that on the by the glass. Uh, and how do you maintain like uh, to make sure that everything is is fresh? Do you taste all of the open wine at the end of the night? Uh, you have like Krug Grand Cruvée by the glass, right? And uh, half bottles, which is great because it allows to like uh, no waste at all. We you know we really see uh, any waste uh, in terms of uh, because the, the the bar is always busy, the restaurant is busy. We have we have it, it's it's always being poor. So we I mean I, I rarely see any like major waste or anything like that. The good thing about doing the champagne in half bottles is that too is you know you get two glasses and that's that. And yeah, I mean, that's what we do for um, Moscato d'Asti and Barchetto and and sweet. Like the sweet sparkling wines, we always right. have those in half bottles of the restaurants. For well, I mean, it's great, uh, especially for for a lot of this like premium high end uh, wines that we offer. Mm-hmm. A lot of premium high end wines. I'm, I'm looking at your. You have a whole page of Coravin wines. Um, some really exciting wines. Something that we have at our restaurants that I wasn't expecting to see is the La Castellata Friulano. Uh, but then you could also get like Vega Sicilia Unico 2000 for. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, um, it, that list also is always changing. Um, uh, I always find a lot of like cool bottles that perhaps people want to try or they've heard uh, from before and they haven't had an opportunity. So the Coravin has really revolutionized all of that. You know, you can. It, it, it's just we've created like wine flights with the Coravin. It's it's quite incredible, and we we've opened like some amazing wines too. So yeah, and so you're, so you're a big fan. It sounds like yeah. Um, the other thing that I noticed, you have your, your sweet wines by the glass right up uh, behind the red wine. So right, right front and center. Um, and you list, you have a, a significant selection of really interesting sweet wines, um, including the Los Bermejos Malvasia. I think that's, that's super interesting. I mean, that, sweet wines, I, I always have a hard time trouble. Uh, I have a hard time selling them at our restaurants. We, they, they don't sell well for us. Uh, is it something that you've well, been able to, to, to sell? Well, with, uh, I mean, if, if you actually look at the, uh, the, uh, desserts, uh, by our pastry chef Bjorn Butcher, like you, there's a lot of like great wines to pair with his amazing desserts. But beyond that, I mean, um, if you think about it, maybe it's it's not only you uh, or for you that it's hard to to sell sweet wines. I guess it's a it's a whole um, a notion. I guess that that sweet wines are not not good or they're not friendly. For, it's uh, I guess in America, but um, um, I find that uh, to bring them up to the front of the list rather than all the way to the back, it's but you put that notion in people's heads before beforehand and. Um, and they're, they're, they're incredible. I mean, you know, they're, they don't have to be overly sweet also. Um, that's why I have those choices like the Malvasia and I have, perhaps I have not, not too old, uh, Sauternes mm-hmm. and things that are blended Semillon Sauvignon Blanc to have a little more acidity. Uh, so, so there are different, you know, things that, uh, that put that in, in, in the guest mind 
uh, once they start their meal, they're already picking their glass it, of wine. It's so and smart. It's so it's so smart. Like you, you see that sweet wine list, and you're like, oh, they have really cool sweet wines, and you remember it back at the at the end. And I think I, I would personally be much more likely to order it if just knowing knowing that I'm looking at my red wine list by the glass. Like, oh wait, they also have really cool sweet wines. I'm gonna I'm gonna order a glass of the Reeve Salt at the end of my meal because that's pretty badass. Um, <laughs> Other really cool thing about your list that I've actually never seen on a list uh, is this end of bin list. So it's bottles with only one left. Um, I think that, you know, I was at a restaurant recently and I ordered a bottle of wine and the server came over and said, you're in luck. You got the last one. And I loved the way that they uh, that they describe that because usually what we do is apologize. Say, you know, I'm so sorry. This is, this is, or say, you know, this is the last bottle. So if you want another one, you can't have it. But it was like, Oh, I feel fortunate. I got the la- the last one on the list, and I-, I love the way you described it. And I think that's when you present it like that on the list, you get the same kind of idea. Yeah, and um, you know, and I-, I try to keep that up to date at also all- at all times because um, um, it- when when you go to a restaurant and then you know that the they don't have the bottle for you, or uh, or somebody comes to your restaurant and then. You go find in the bottle, and then yo, you know, it was the last one, and we sold it. So I'm able to like move all of those things to a special rack, where I have I keep all the last bins, and then I just list that page. And but it's a two way street, right? Because a lot of the wines are good too. So people are like, "Are you sure there isn't another bottle that you can, <laughs> you know, muster from somewhere down there?" And I know it's you know really it's just a, the last 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 last. I love it. I mean, but that also means that you—that's extra work for you. You need to make sure this is up to date, no right. matter what, because well, it's easy. It's on one page. I can reprint it like at any time, and uh, it's so smart. Yeah. So, um, and you know, when <laughs> the the things like perhaps uh, some of the wines were the, the popular wine, wines, or you know, wines that we that we go through a lot, and uh, perhaps it's the last of the vintage, and we can get it anymore, so they get moved to that page. Yeah. And this at the very bottom says the last bow for these wines. Does that mean that? The, ah, so mean? the those are generally wines that uh, we previously poured by the glass, and then uh, the last few bottles we just offer by the bottle. Okay. So, cool. That's really cool. So, uh, as I said before, you have some, you know, great wines that everyone knows are really great wines, and then some more kind of rare, particular, quirky wines, uh, like a great selection of Jura. I know that that's a personal interest of yours. <laughs> yes, that's uh, right. How do you kind of strike that balance between, you know, between those two? Well, um, l- let me put it this way, you know, and, and going back to perhaps of the music, you know, if you were missing a set of instruments in an orchestra, maybe the, the symphony wouldn't sound so right, right? So you have to have a little bit of everything. I have to have all the... The wines that people want to drink, and uh, but also like my personal favorites, and at the same time, like from all of what I've learned in terms of all these like rare and obscure wines, I also want to bring those in so I can say, hey, you may have not heard of this before, you may have not tried this before, and guess what? You're going to be really surprised, and you're going to love it, and you're going to be a fan from now on. So it's it's trying to find all the you you fill in all of all of the little um, holes, uh, if you may, but. Uh, I mean, I, was, I wouldn't sounds... say holes because that's not perhaps negative, but I would say all the special places and the wine list with uh, with the cool wines. Yeah, 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 and especially if you have room for a thousand wines, is there, <laughs> there you can you can. Oh, have a you would be amount. surprised! It's a tiny, <laughs> tiny room that we get to manage. It's, wow. Uh, 
Yeah, and it's you know, it's a, it's a small cellar, and uh, I mean, if I think about it, it's New York City. We we all have very small cellars, yeah. and uh, uh, so I, you know, and if I could possibly keep every single wine that I have purchased ever since I started working there, I mean, I would, but I would have to have a warehouse the size of I don't know Queens <laughs> just to keep them all on the list at the same time. And uh, I also wanted to ask about, uh, you have a page that's your Smalley Spotlight um, right. about the wines of uh, Ganova, Jean-Francois Ganova. Oh, yeah. Um, these wines are awesome. And your prices are great on them. They're, they're, these are wines that are super hard to find. They made, they're made in such small production. And you have like 12 of them or something Thank like that. you. <laughs> yeah, so I, mean, cool. they're, I mean, they're very, very, very limited, very hard to find. And uh, sometimes I only get like a bottle or two, uh, which... Uh, you know, it could be detrimental for, for the wine list, but I mean, I love the wine so much. I mean, what he does is just so incredible. All the work that he puts on, on separating everything in, in individual barrels, it's just incredible. Like the, uh, and the wines are just, they're singing. They're incredible. Yeah. They're Whites and reds. I amazing. mean, there's so many of them, if you think about it, like, but uh, he has he has something like ten hectares and makes twenty two wines. That's out of that. right. Something yeah, like, it's and it's like forty six barrels, and uh, it's and then he's doing the other project uh, uh, in Beaujolais where he's making some killer gamets. Then the two bottes. Those are really those are. Oh, I didn't know. Never had those. Yeah. Oh, see, I keep things. <laughs> yeah, we got some yeah. of the Madelons and the two bottes. We got them in uh, in Magnums even so. I, ho- I hope they keep for a little bit to see. I mean, the, the wines are actually uh, aged really gracefully, and they express really, really well with time. So that's another thing, you know, like most people don't wait for for the wines too much. They're like, what's the next vintage? I want to drink it right now. Like, and that's that's another reason why I would like to have a bigger space so I can, like, buy things and store them. And store and, them aside, yeah. Uh, list, maybe list a couple of bottles right, and yeah. then keep the, rest keep the rest on the side, yeah. Oh, that would be, uh, that's kind of my dream as well. Uh, not not feasible <laughs> yeah, in our well, small places. I don't know if there will ever be a, a burn steakhouse here in New York City, you know, with a, with a wine list yeah. like that. <laughs> oh, my God. I, yeah, friends just went down there, uh, down to Burns, and just, I, I haven't been. That's, that's it's, a, a dream it's trip. Killer. Yeah, it's killer, yeah. You've been? Uh, I, uh, no, I mean, all, all of the stories that I hear from my friends, and it's just like, you know, it, it's a dream, because this gentleman just purchased all these wines so long ago, and he's kept them ever since, and... Uh, it's a lot of killer Bordeaux. It's like the most legendary stuff in yeah, America, it's, it's, right? <laughs> and, and you can get stuff from producers that don't exist anymore or great producers from 30 years ago that's just way under market price. Right. Uh, let's take a trip to Burns, man. <laughs> uh, I just want to ask about uh, working in a hotel. So Lamb's Club is located in the Chatwal Hotel. Um, are there are there any benefits? Are there what, what are some of the unique challenges and unique benefits to to working in a, in a hotel restaurant? Um, well, um, the benefit of working in a hotel restaurant is that there is always guests that we have to cater to. You know, um, whether it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, and special events, um, and and also um, the we are close to Bryant Park and. Uh, Broadway, so we get a lot of like uh, uh, visitors uh, staying around that are going to shows, and so we, we get a big uh, pre-theater crowd, right, in the restaurant, and uh, um, it must keep you on your toes. You yeah, I know. I mean, we're constantly busy. Like even even after after the theater, we get a lot of the crowds that are coming from the shows, and so we always get the the waves of, of service. Yeah, that's great, and uh, it's just it's hard for me not to ask about this. You are the uh, 
GQ and Penfold's oh, best boy. dress sommelier <laughs> last year. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that campaign <coughs> and, oh. and what it meant for you to win? Well, uh, it was a, a tall surprise, actually. Um, well, it was a fun thing, you know, I guess. Um, and it's, it's like the whole package. Um, um, somebody approached me and they say, hey, listen, you know, they're running this campaign uh, about the best dress sommelier, and uh, you're always like sold dapper with your bow ties and your pocket squares. And uh, yeah, you no know, one approached me about that. I don't, know, I don't know why. <laughs> and they were like, you should really like you know think of participating. And I was just like, oh, you know, it's probably you know, I I, I don't know if I'll ever get to do that. So, um, so we submitted the photos and uh, whatnot, and then I got the call and they say, hey, you're in the top five, and I'm like, okay. And so they say we would like to invite you to this event, so where we're gonna crown the uh, the winner. And uh, they rented the Villar Mansion um, at the Palace Hotel, and uh, they did phenomenal. They brought a lot of like great Penfold wines, and we we had a beautiful tasting there. And uh, in the end, you know, I I got crowned best sommelier in America. <laughs> And I got to open like uh, the first uh, Penfold Grange 2010 bottle. Uh, it was kind of like a very fun event. So amazing! Yeah, and after that, it's just kind of exploded. It's uh, it's been great. We've seen a lot of people coming in to see. And I mean, especially. I mean, do you we... find that there's like a lot of pressure now? Like you can't just. No, not that I've ever no. seen you just dial it in. You're all you're always like <laughs> super dapper. Yeah. No, no, I don't think any pressure. I mean, you know, this is what I wear every yeah. day. It's like sort of like my style. So it hasn't changed much in many years. I I just you know still doing the same. Great. Well, you're you're always looking good, man. <laughs> thank um, you. And uh, I I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. I think you have uh, one of the best wine programs in town, and obviously one of the one of the nicest guys, and uh, super well dressed on top of it. Thank that you. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you can come over anytime. I mean, we have we have a lot of wine to taste, and you know it's always fun that we can do it there. Okay. All right. That that sounds great. <laughs> uh, before we go, I do want to talk about uh, a little event that we're doing here at Heritage Radio Network. Um, this Friday, um, we're doing the Food Book Fair. This Friday, April 10th, 6 to 8 p.m. at the White Hotel, featuring authors and HRN hosts. Uh, the food's going to be by Dig In and drinks from the Brooklyn Brewery. And you'll also see, you also hear beats by DJ Spliffington. I hope I got that one right. Yeah, <laughs> DJ Spliffington. Um, so you'll, there'll, there'll be, uh, it's the food book fair at the White Hotel. There'll be some HRN hosts who've recently published books um, and other other food book authors. It's going to be a really fun event and uh, hope that you guys can make it. So thanks so much for listening. This has been In the Drink. Thanks to Jory and Jack. Thanks, guys, uh, on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.